0: The poet sees better than other mortals. I do not see things as they are, but according to my own subjective impression. And this makes life easier and simpler. These are the words of Robert Schumann. Mary Oliver, a well-known poet of the 20th and 21st centuries, wrote a poem actually entitled Robert Schumann. And that's what intrigued me to learn more about him. I knew he was a musician already, a musician of sorts, like a composer or um, violinist, pianist, and I wondered why a celebrated poet like Oliver would write about him. I wanted to share her beautiful poem here, but permissions from the publisher have been delayed, so I can't read it without infringing on copyrights. And I do it right. No reading without permission so I hope you'll look it up instead. But moving on, we're exploring Schumann today anyway. Less about his works and more about his life. Either way, music, for him, was both. The more we know about a composer, the more we hear his personality and his music. A German composer, pianist, and influential music critic, he was regarded as one of the greatest composers of the Romantic era. Robert Alexander Schumann was born June 8, 1810. The youngest of five children to Friedrich Schumann and Johanna Schumann. With the numerous German names I get to introduce in this episode, I hope my listeners give me some grace as I attempt to pronounce things correctly. Schumann was brought up in an environment that was both literary and unstable. Unstable in the sense that in one biographical account, his father was described as highly nervous, and his mother, Johanna, was a violently passionate woman, a description with a gap for interpretation, I'd say. In the literary regard, his father was a bookseller and publisher, novelist, and translator. He spent hours in his father's bookshop and developed a lifelong interest in German literature, and poetry. At age seven, he began piano instruction and immediately developed a passion for music. He attended a private school and studied piano with a local church organist who introduced him to the works of C.P.E. Bach, Franz Josef Haydn, and Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. By the time Robert was nine, he began his first efforts at composition. During his years in secondary school, 1820 to 1828, Schumann continued to practice the piano, often participating in concerts at the school and in the salons of distinguished patrons. In 1826, when Schumann was 16, his sister, Emilia, committed suicide as the result of a mental disorder, and his father, also suffering from a nervous illness, died a few months later. Again, details to the unstable childhood he likely suffered. As part of his inheritance, he was required to attend university for three years, so he began law school in Leipzig in 1828. He continued his musical studies with Friedrich Wieck, Wieck an eminent piano teacher, and at his teacher's home, Schumann met Wieck's daughter, Clara. She was nine. She's going to come up again here shortly. And in 1830, he quit law and moved in with the Weeks to study music, intending to pursue a career as a virtuoso pianist. Despite incessant practice, he never became the virtuoso pianist he'd hoped, owing to a numbness in the middle finger of his right hand. This permanent injury, either muscle or nerve damage, may have been due to the result of arsenic or mercury poisoning from the treatment of syphilis, which he probably contracted in his teens, or over Wieck's objection due to the experimental finger-strengthening sling device he used to strengthen his fingers. Some believe he irreversibly strained his right hand, ruining all chance of becoming a virtuoso. Whatever the cause, he decided to concentrate on his composition studies. In 1833, Schumann helped found the Neue Zeitschrift für Musik, a leading music journal. Yes, that's very German. He edited the journal from 1835 to 1844 and wrote many articles for it until 1853. And actually, I believe it still exists today. These articles helped establish the early reputation of such composers as Brahms and Chopin. Over time, Schumann also became a prominent voice in cultural matters and an artistic critic, more famous for his writings than for his compositions. Nevertheless, he kept on composing, writing hundreds of works for piano and voice, as well as four symphonies and an opera. In 1834, Schumann became engaged to Ernestine von Fricken. She was a piano student and house guest of the Wiecks. When his mother died in 1836, he stayed on in Leipzig with the Wiecks as well. Long before his engagement to Ernestine was formally broken off, he fell in love with 16 year old Clara Wieck. Ernestine was crushed, but amicable to both Clara and Robert. However, Clara's father strongly disapproved and even initiated a marriage permission lawsuit, objecting the engagement. Wow, I guess you could do that back then. Clara, who'd already made an international career as a piano virtuoso as a teen, only had to wait until her 21st birthday. Then she'd be free to legally marry the 30-year-old composer and music critic. They were engaged in 1837. Clara and Robert kept in touch by letters, which were sometimes even intercepted by Papa Vick. Whoa. Early in 1840, Clara wrote, Dear Robert, I love you so much it hurts my heart. Tell me what you've been writing. I would so love to know. Oh, please, please. A quartet? An overture? Even perhaps a symphony? Might it by any chance be a wedding present? Indeed, it was. Robert presented Clara with not a quartet, overture, or symphony, but his published Opus 25, a set of 26 songs. The opening song, entitled Dedication, is a Rukert poem which contains this refrain, You are my heart and soul, my bliss and pain. You are the world I live in, and the heaven I aspire to, my good angel, my better self. wow, the year they were married, he would write over 130 songs, almost all of them inspired by his feelings for Clara. Schumann was a literary man. Both he and Clara collected poetry and read them together. His compositions were often melodically inspired by lyrical poems, as we saw in his musical wedding gift with the Opus 25. Even when the musical idea did not originate in literature, but as a waltz, Polonaise or some other harmonic progression, they were usually given a quasi literary title or tied to some literary idea. Many of his compositions were found too difficult to play by most musicians, with the exception of his talented wife. Schumann's life was filled with beauty and his great love for Clara, but he was also tormented with psychological problems. He suffered from mental illness most of his life. Some people say it was schizophrenia. Some say it was bipolar disorder. At times, he achieved almost superhuman productivity during his manic periods. Melancholic and despondent, on February 27, 1854, a cold morning, he threw himself over a bridge into the Rhine in a suicide attempt. He was rescued by some passing fishermen and, at his own request, was taken to an asylum. There, he descended deeper into insanity, hearing voices and having hallucinations. His doctors kept Clara from seeing him until days before his death. Two and a half years in the sanatorium, he died on July 29, 1856, only 46 years old. Schumann had a strong influence on various composers of the late 1800s, especially the young Johannes Brahms of Germany, who became a close friend of the couple. He also influenced several French and Russian composers. Ted Libby, the author of the NPR Listener's Encyclopedia of Classical Music, may have accurately summarized the contributions and character of Schumann, although perhaps a bit harsh. He wrote, there is little doubt that Schumann will remain a canonic figure, though if quality of work is the only gauge, His importance has long been overrated. His abilities at times fell short of his ambitions, but he brought enthusiasm and a rare poetic genius to everything he attempted. As a critic, he was remarkably astute in some judgments, wildly off the mark in others, and in all cases, generous. He never became a great pianist, was a failure as a conductor, and at times was not even a very good composer. But his entire being was music. Informed by dream and fantasy, he was music's quintessential romantic, always ardent, always striving for the ideal. And that's it. He loved music. The creative mind of Robert Schumann in all its pain and glory. He wrote once, to send light into the darkness of men's hearts, such is the duty of the artist. As we get to learn more about the stories of others, even people past, like Schumann, we have an opportunity to build a kind of unspoken rapport, something we might have had in common with them. And that's what each episode of A Beautiful Gray Sponge invites you to do. And I hope you do. Thank you for listening. And now I'd like to invite you to listen to the remainder of Schumann's Opus 15, Kindersteisen. If I've said that correctly, it translates into Scenes from Childhood. Enjoy.